At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome back to Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also chief of cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the chief population health officer at Baptist Health. January is Thyroid Awareness Month. This butterfly-shaped gland in the front of the neck may be small, but it's powerful. Thyroid malfunctions can affect metabolism, heart function, and even bones and muscles, sometimes without causing obvious symptoms. So how do you know if a particular health issue is due to a thyroid problem? That was the central question in a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program that I had the pleasure of hosting. My expert guests were Dr. Pasquale DeSantis, an endocrinologist with Baptist Health, and Dr. Nita Aaron-Jerry, an endocrine surgeon at Baptist Health's Miami Cancer Institute. Let's hear what they had to say. So Pasquale, let's start with you. The thyroid's a small part of the body, a small gland, but it's extremely important. Um, How important is the thyroid? What are the effects of the thyroid? Well, thyroid is an organ that um, controls essentially uh, many functions in the body. You, you can think uh, pretty much every cell in the body is targeted for thyroid hormone, and it will affect energy expenditure, oxygen consumption. It is involved in development and growth in children. Um, it affects the cardiovascular system, the contractility of the heart, the blood vessel contraction, uh, it can affect uh, the reproductive system. Um, it's virtually, it, it is involved uh, very importantly in development of the central nervous system and nerve conduction as well. So it, it pretty much affects every function in the body. So the thyroid gland is a small organ. It sends out hormones. We'll talk a little bit about the thyroid abnormalities are, but what are the symptoms or what are things that someone may feel that might trigger, hey, they should get their um, the thyroid checked out. That's uh, that's to you, Anita. Absolutely. So, you know, because the thyroid affects so many different things with, re- with regards to the hormones it produces, there are a lot of symptoms that can be associated to the thyroid, but also could be caused by other things. And that's, that's one of the things in, in, in medicine that we, that we deal with. We, what is the actual cause? So with the thyroid hormone levels, when they are too high, they can cause a lot of symptoms such as palpitations, elevated heart rate, excessive sweating, weight loss, diarrhea, really can have a lot of, a lot of effects. And it can happen and really, some people really don't notice it at all. Um, when the thyroid function is too low, this is what people worry about a lot, you can notice things like weight gain, feeling cold all the time, feeling very tired and lethargic, dry skin. You know, th- These are all symptoms that can also be caused by other things, but it is often what triggers a, a workup and evaluation of the thyroid gland. We also see problems then um, w- that have nothing to do with, with the thyroid hormone production, but actually nodules within the thyroid. And depending on where those grow, how big they are, uh, those can also trigger other effects such as you know, local symptoms from it pushing on surrounding structures, being visible externally, or causing no symptoms at all, but showing up on imaging that we do for other reasons altogether. So, so uh, Pasquale, we don't want people jumping to conclusions with minimal symptoms. It should be part of a workup. So explain to us the role of the primary care doctor when someone may suspect a thyroid disorder. Also, when uh, should they go to an endocrinologist? What should trigger that? And, and the other thing I'd like you to comment on is, is it possible to have thyroid disorders and feel nothing? 
So lots of questions there, uh, Pasquale, but this is your expertise. So can sure. you feel nothing? If you're concerned, what's the primary care doctor role? When should it trigger an endocrinologist? People who have very mild form of abnormality, either in the hyper range or the hypo range, and depending on their age, they may be perfectly asymptomatic. There are these very low levels of hyper or hypo called subclinical, which have a very specific definition biochemically, in which people may not actually feel any symptoms. Um, in terms of the, when somebody has a concern, a patient has a concern that they may have a thyroid problem, the first person they need to go to is the primary care doctor. Uh, as Nita explained, when symptoms are very vague and unspecific, could be caused by anything, but certainly could be related to a thyroid hormone abnormality. Uh, in that situation, there, the, both the ATA, American Thyroid Association, and the uh, American College of Physicians, they have a very si specific, simple way of screening for thyroid function abnormality, uh, which the primary doctor can easily order. It's not a fancy test or anything. It's just a blood test. And that, that will immediately alert the primary doctor as to whether there is a, a, a thyroid function abnormality or not. The, the kind of function abnormality that does require, I think, a reflex referral to an endocrinologist is when people have hyperthyroidism, because that's, that's a bit more concerning uh, since it can be a little more dangerous depending on the progression and how severe it is. Long-term, the management of hypothyroidism, once everything is stabilized and everything is okay, then can remain with the primary doctor. And uh, you know, occasional consultations with the endocrinologist if things go wrong. Uh, when people do have thyroid nodules and uh, symptoms of obstruction, like Nita was saying, then I think it's all another reflex referral to the endocrinologist as well. They can order a preliminary ultrasound or something and then uh, send the patient to the endocrinologist. Let's bring it back a level to just hypo and hyper. Can you talk a little bit, uh, we've used the term a couple of times, you mentioned a couple of the symptoms. What, what goes on when you're hypo? What goes on with your hyper? And maybe even a little bit about TSH and T4. We use those terms and, and what they really what they really mean, because they are a part and parcel of how we determine what the thyroid conditions are, what we look for for our treatment benefits. Absolutely. So as the names would suggest, hypothyroidism is really where the thyroid gland is not producing a sufficient amount of thyroid hormone compared to what your body needs. And we how to determine that? Um, as, as we, you know, we mentioned, there's a lot of symptoms that may or may not be related to it, but how we truly determine that is looking at uh, TSH levels, which are basically coming from the pituitary gland, which is our body's kind of, it's telling us, trying to stimulate the thyroid more or telling the thyroid, in basic terms, telling the thyroid to slow down a little, depending, um, and T3 and T4, which are produced within the thyroid gland themselves. Um, so T3 and T4 are the hormones that you're thyroid gland actually makes versus TSH, which is the regulatory factor. So with hypothyroidism, you actually get elevated TSH levels because the pituitary is trying to tell the thyroid to do more because whatever the levels are, it's getting the signal that it's not enough for what your body needs at that moment at that time. And um, again, as, as Dr. Uh, as Pascual said, those levels, it has to be repeated because at, at any moment you will have these fluctuations. The thyroid is affecting the whole body and we go through different stimulations throughout our lives, throughout every day, that these levels can be up and down a little. But when, when it's a sustained uh, elevated TSH level, that is the really the body saying that, listen, this is not enough for what I need. And the, the, the pituitary gland is trying to stimulate the thyroid to do more. 
and sustained high levels is basically saying that it's unable to because despite that stimulation, the levels have not come up from the thyroid to where they need to be. And that would be hypothyroidism. Um, whether the T3 and T4 levels technically fall within the normal range or not, this is where you get into subclinical versus clinical hypothyroidism. Um, that TSH value is you know, the combination we use, but the TSH value is really kind of our own body saying, this is not enough for what we need right now. Hyperthyroidism then is the opposite. For any number of reasons, the thyroid gland in that moment is producing more hormone than is necessary. That again, more excess levels of T3 and T4 compared to what your body actually needs. So the pituitary gland reduces the amount of TSH, so thyroid stimulating hormones, very basic, reduces the amount of stimulating hormone that it is producing, trying to tell the thyroid gland, slow down. I don't need this much. Your body doesn't need this much. And it's actually causing a stress on the body by having those levels too high. Again, if the T3 and T4 are normal and the patient is asymptomatic, despite the TSH being low, this is again a subclinical state. But as, as uh, Pascal mentioned, the hyperthyroidism, because of the effects that it has on the whole body, even even in a subclinical state is something that warrants a little bit uh, more in-depth evaluation compared to hypothyroidism because of the uh, long-term downstream effects that hyperthyroidism can have. So let me ask you a follow-up, two follow-ups. First one is, if someone is asymptomatic hypothyroidism, hypotha, TSH a little high, saying we need a little bit more, but they feel fine, do those people generally go on and it never progresses to anything more than that? Or is there a tendency, and again, these are treatable conditions, which we'll get to, is there a tendency for them to then become more symptomatic over time? Or can people go long periods of time where they're asymptomatic, but that stimulation is a little higher than, than we would consider normal? Yeah, so they can go very long periods of time uh, without actually ever becoming symptomatic or reaching a clinical level. But here, the most common cause of hypothyroidism is uh, a condition called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is why Doctor uh, Why Pascal was mentioning checking, you know, checking antibody levels and things like that because it could be an autoimmune-related disease. And the thing about Hashimoto's is that over time it does tend to progress. So even in the in the moment, it may not be anything, and it may not cause anything at that time. And and in general, with the thyroid, most things with thyroid are slowly progressive. Um, it's not something that from one week to the next, or even necessarily from one year to the next, that you'd notice a a big change. But it's something that you know, if noted, needs to be followed because you do anticipate that again, this being the most common cause of hypothyroidism, that over time it would get worse and eventually reach the point where it would require treatment easily treated with thyroid hormone. You don't have to take anything, you know, with it being autoimmune, you're not on immunosuppressive drugs or anything like that. It's actually just supplementing it with thyroid hormone when it gets to the level um, uh, that those, that the, uh, uh, the, you become clinical, the T3 and T4 are actually other level that you needed to start supplementing it. And then speak for a second. So you mentioned Hashimoto's. I was going to ask you about that because that's a very common term because it's a very common cause for um, hypothyroidism. How about Graves' disease? Just mention, you know, to the viewers um, who may have heard that or try to put in perspective what would be Graves' disease. Sure. So Graves' disease is an, another autoimmune disease, but rather than slowly causing too low thyroid function with Graves' disease, you actually get hyperthyroidism. And um, this, this is treated in a few different ways, but again, because hyperthyroidism has these a little more serious down, downstream effects, 
with Graves' disease, you actually start treatment to try and keep you at a euthyroid level, and, and it's with um, that kind of thyroid blocking medications. Uh, and the goal with that is to return you to a normal thyroid state uh, with these medications. It's often, but not always successful, and those, those medications, as opposed to uh, thyroid hormone supplementation, which is very well tolerated, those medications do have some uh, more serious side effects uh, when you're on them for long periods of time. So with Graves' disease, while the primary and initial treatment to get the levels under control is with, with, um, with medications, such as uh, methimazole or propothyroracil, uh, that is a disease that may end up being treated um, with surgery or with radioactive iodine, depending on the severity of disease, uh, when you're diagnosed, and the other um, sequelae of disease that you have. Um. Pasquale, a couple of quick questions before we move on to um, um, thyroid structural abnormalities. Um, is hypothyroid, uh, is one of the other hypo or hyper more common in, in your experience or in the data, in the population? So, hypo, I have to say, like Nita was suggesting, uh, both of them, in North America at least, the most common reason for both is autoimmune, okay? And you can think of this like a big spectrum of disease in which... Um, the same autoimmune background can lead to both. And, and in fact, this is rare. We don't typically see this, but you can see people flipping from one to the other. This is, again, this is not common, but I've seen it and it's reported, okay? Uh, of the two, the, the hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's thyroiditis is far more common than hyperthyroidism. Uh, and, uh, and you can have somebody with coexisting uh, several uh, autoimmune conditions in the thyroid at the same time. But to answer your question specifically, yes, hypothyroidism and Hashimoto is far more common than hyper. Um, Nita, let, let's switch gears for a second and talk about, again, uh, structural thyroid malady. So I want to talk about thyroid cancer, which is not uh, uncommon. Um, so in the context of th thyroid cancer, first thing is, do most people with thyroid nodules or even cancers feel it themselves, or is it picked up by a doctor's office or a different way? Secondly, if someone feels a lump in their thyroid or describe where the thyroid is, uh, what's the likelihood that it becomes something that warrants further workup um, and specifically then get into thyroid cancer? Sure. So first of all, thyroid nodules are extraordinarily common. Um, and I, obviously because of the risk of cancer or the concerns about cancer, as soon as everyone, you know, as soon as a person, patient knows they have a thyroid nodule, it triggers a good amount of anxiety, which is understandable. But, but thyroid nodules are extraordinarily common in the population in general. And we do notice more common as people get older and thyroid nodules are more common in women compared to men, but we see it in every age range um, uh, in reality. The vast majority of them are completely benign. So I start with that. I start with that with my patients as well, because usually that at least allays the initial fears when we're talking about things. Um, but it does warrant a workup. Now, a lot of thyroid nodules are found on imaging that is done for some other reason or from somewhat um, non-specific symptoms that could or could not be related to the thyroid that triggers this evaluation and workup of the thyroid. Like we mentioned, a lot of these symptoms can be related to, to many things. Um, so we see them found incidentally on, on uh, imaging that was done, for example, uh, from a neck injury or, or a posterior neck pain, uh, carotid imaging. Carotid ultrasound. We see yeah. a lot of cardiology. We see the nodules. Do we exactly. tell the person? And it, and it sees it and, and it, triggers, it triggers the workup. But it's also found 
a lot by physicians um, who, are, who are palpating, uh, palpating the, the thyroid on routine physical exam or by patients who self-palpate um, or presenting, present with symptoms just based on the location. There is really a, a wide range of ways in which people present, present with these thyroid nodules and it just triggers the workup. And the initial workup starts with blood work to see how the thyroid is functioning, a physical exam done by primary care physician, endocrinologist, you know, a, a, but your clinician and, and an ultrasound. And then we kind of use the results of those studies to further decide what else needs to be done. So now what about thyroid cancer? If someone actually has thyroid cancer, talk a little bit about how it may present. What are our treatment options? What do we, what do we, what do we, you know, how do we generally work up thyroid cancer? Sure. So uh, with thyroid knowledge, about 95% uh, are benign. So you just have this, the, you know, the small percentage of thyroid nodules that present that are thyroid cancer or risk of thyroid cancer. And they often present, um, thankfully, in the same way in that they're presenting with small nodules that are found through a routine workup. Um, and uh, they warrant a full, full evaluation and then, and then intervention. But there are not necessarily specific symptoms that are more likely caused by thyroid cancer than a benign thyroid nodule. Feeling a mass in the neck, having an enlarged nodule in the neck or a growing nodule in the neck, unless it's rapidly growing, um, is not more attributable to a thyroid cancer compared to a benign thyroid nodule. Um, they both present in very similar ways. Um, a rapidly enlarging thyroid mass, and I mean, you know, over weeks, um, or um, a sudden onset of uh, uh, voice changes, like uh, a hoarse, raspy voice that's unrelated to, you know, an illness, uh, such as strep throat. But, but um, those, those things are more concerning for a thyroid cancer, um, but otherwise, fortunately or unfortunately, they do tend to present in the same way. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, generally present with abnormalities in uh, hormonal function. Um, so that doesn't, having normal function or abnormal function does not mean that you have a thyroid cancer. Um, and it doesn't always present with a, with a mass that, that is necessarily uh, symptomatic to the patient. You guys have really given us great information, and it's a very complex. It seems pretty simple. I have an overactive and underactive thyroid, but obviously the underlying presentations and mechanisms and consequences are broad, and it is very common, so uh, a great job. A couple of questions from the audience before we wrap up. Uh, for Pasquale, um, what is the connection between thyroid health and fertility? Is there a connection? If so, can you discuss it a little bit? So, yes. Yeah. So when you have overt uh, thyroid dysfunction, meaning you're not in the subclinical area, but you have significant hypothyroidism or significant hyperthyroidism, you can see actually menstrual irregularity, ovulation issues, and that's going to, of course, interfere with uh, the ability of a woman to become pregnant. In the context of a clinical overt situation, it's, there's, no, uh, there's no question it needs to be treated. In addition, um, once a woman become pregnant, becomes pregnant, they do have an increased requirement of thyroid hormone, about 20 to 30% more. So if you have somebody with a normal thyroid function, but you know there is some degree of thyroid uh, tissue has been uh, destroyed by this autoimmune condition, perhaps this sort of stress test on the thyroid during pregnancy 
the tyrant may not be able to keep up with the demands. So maybe I'll ask each of you this final question. And again, I appreciate your responses. Um, and Pasquale, I'll ask you about hypothyroidism. And for Anita, I'll ask you about hyper. Uh, just speak to your experiences when people come to you for the various conditions or what you've seen, very symptomatic, not feeling well on the low or high side. Um, tell us how they respond when they get treated medically. So, so Pasquale, do you find people with hypothyroid and they continue to live the rest of their life with these horrible symptoms? Or you know, tell us the efficacy of the treatments. And so when, when people are overtly hypothyroid, they have a severe uh, degree of hypothyroidism and you treat them, they, they I would say 100% of the time, they experience improvement of the symptoms, okay, once you normalize it. Uh, now, once the person has been treated and their thyroid function tests have normalized, um, about 20% of patients do not feel completely okay, all right? And it's a little hard to, to pinpoint why that is. I mean, uh, as Nita was alluding to before, um, sometimes even in that situation, many patients are going to try to blame the thyroid for things that are going on at the same time, even though the thyroid function tests have normalized on the treatment. Well, at that point, it's a bit more difficult to, to argue that whatever symptoms they're having are, typically, are truly associated with the thyroid. Typically, at that point, those symptoms are going to be back to being vague and unspecific that could be associated with multiple other things. So, you know, things that overlap with the symptoms of thyroid disease are going to be sleep apnea, anemia, iron deficiency, you name it. I mean, there's a myriad of things that can do it. So they, they need to be followed continuously. We don't just forget about it. But Correct. generally, the majority respond. Anita, um, and briefly, again, on the hyperthyroid state, we talked about medications and then sometimes uh, other options, uh, more definitive. Do people tend to get better? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the easy answer is, is yes. Once you normalize the thyroid hormone, those hyper symptoms decline. Some people don't, you, you like a little mild hyperthyroidism, so they don't often enjoy the, that, the fluctuation, but you lose the extremes of hyperthyroidism to stabilize your weight, your heart rate, everything. It gets you back to normal state. Um, and that's really where, where you want to be. And they do, they do get that either from medications or additional treatment. Uh, when necessary. To our listeners, remember that you can send us your comments and suggestions for future topics at Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. On behalf of everyone at Baptist Health, thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at BaptistHealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.